Real facts, real opinions, real talk. It's time for Roadworthy Drive. Hosted by Ken Chester and Sasha J. Little, if it moves you now or in the future, you can rest assured that they're going to be talking about it right here. So here they are, the mobility duo with the futuristic twist, Ken and Sasha. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to this hour number two of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester in studio, uh, along with my co-host, the often caffeinated, <laughs> always opinionated Sasha Little. Yes, yes. Howdy, folks. Howdy. We have plenty to share with you, as always, but first, join in the conversation. It's easy as calling or texting the Roadworthy Driveline. That number is always 872-222-9793. If you would rather write, my email address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. We would love to hear from you. On tap for this hour, a trip for news from the parts bin, the death of the plug-in hybrid, and of course, that popular, everybody loves it, Tech with Sasha. Just for you, this hour. How you doing, Miss Sasha? I can't wait to talk about my Tech with Sasha. I am doing robots, robots, robots. Mobility. And stop. And yeah, so I had it all planned out about what I was going to do, but Mr. Chester decided to pull... Uh, rank on me mobility and I had to tether in mobility so those of you that appreciate snark uh, you will understand <laughs> my first two stories because it is the last story in the last segment that I'm actually excited about yeah so much for snark but <laughs> mobility doll no. it's mobility mobility no. it's all mobile oh my goodness uh, well yeah you'll have to see what she's got up her sleeve folks and that will happen a little later in the show mm. so Stay tuned for a sec with Sasha. Uh, now for a little bit from the parts bin. Uh, we're talking Volvo. And we ain't talking cars. No. We're, we're not talking SUVs. No, we're not. And we're not talking over-the-road trucks. However, we are talking about self-driving mining trucks. Yeah. Getting ready to work at a mine in Norway. Now, these are autonomous trucks. Yes, they are. Following a predetermined three-mile uh, road from the mine to the port. So you're going, yeah, that's not such a big deal, except for one big thing. Volvo's not just providing these trucks for a test because they've done that in Brazil uh, with uh, sugarcane harvesting. They've done it with garbage trucks in their home country, Sweden. But with this, this is their first commercial effort. Volvo is launching a platform that instead, instead of them buying the trucks, offers them what they call a full transportation service that charges the company, according to each ton of limestone they move from the mine to the port. So in other words, Volvo's taking the risk of maintenance, breakdowns, any kind of stuff like that, uh, based on how many tons of limestone they deliver for the company using these autonomous trucks. Volvo saying, we can find out how to get the best out of the solution and tailor it according to specific customer needs. Now, what this is, is actually a little glimpse of what they might be doing uh, in the long run. As automakers come into the autonomous world, how they might shift away from selling individual vehicles and offering whole services where the autonomous vehicle is just part of the larger puzzle. So we're gonna see how that works. Also remember, 
Volvo was also first with their new XC40 uh, offering a subscription service with that vehicle, with their vehicles for the first time. So there's that. Uh, Sasha? Yes, sir. Um, Climate neutral. Climate neutral? Climate neutral. Does that mean that they are hoping to not produce any more and remain like at zero? At zero. Zero emission. Yes. Okay, so are they the one? Okay, so um, and I'm, I changed gears on you because we're not talking Volvo now. Right, right. So I'm gonna guess, and this is just you know one of those slightly educated guesses. It's not in the United States. That is correct, ma'am. Um, I am going to go for Europe. The European Union oh. is actually aiming to be the first major economy to go climate neutral by 2050. Hey, at least I got a plan. This can be done, according to them, with existing technologies such as solar and wind energy, as okay. well as other energy efficiency measures. Have they figured out how to get the wind energy without those really annoying red blinking lights littering I my countryside? I don't think they're even going that far. <sighs> uh, but they're looking out for eight scenarios that the block's 28 nations to cut emissions in line with, gee, I don't know, the Paris Agreement? Ah, oh, the one that we backed out on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. They are going to be the first major economy, their words, to fully decarbonize, to fully reach net zero emissions. The reason why this matters and the reason why we're talking about it on a mobility show yes, mobile. is that, indeed, is that because <laughs> solutions that remove uh, carbon-related exhaust from fossil fuels uh, is a major part of it whether you're generating it in electricity, whether you're burning it in either gasoline or diesel fuel, that's got to change, and it will. To give you an idea how serious they are, they're already on track to do better than their pledge to reduce emissions by 40% between 1990 and 2030. Excuse me. They are on track to beat that by 5% by 2030 and 60% by 2050. That's right now. That is right now that they will, as a block of countries, produce 60 percent less um, emissions into the atmosphere by 2050 than they did in 1999. I want to let that settle in. Uh, so that's going on mm -hmm. and it's going to affect marketing. It's going to affect development. It's going to probably throw money into um, electric uh, development of electrical vehicles. Not to mention anything else, ride-sharing, ride-hailing. We had talked about Helsinki before as being one of the leading cities in the world with respect to mobility choices, many of which do not generate carbon emissions. Now, let me ask you this. If the uh, European Union is going for a zero emission, and that's going to go across the board, right? Mm -hmm. 28 countries. What does that say to products made here in the United States and their attractiveness to those 28 countries. Well, let's be blunt here. China's the largest automotive market, for example. Yes, they are. The United States is number two. Okay. By 2021, India will be number three. Okay. So Europe's a little bit further down the line. I think they're number four or five okay. in the general scheme of things. All right. However, if you are a global manufacturer in today's world, you have to be paying attention because China has mandated not just electric vehicles, 
but autonomous vehicles, and they're not 10 years off. They're looking at 2020, 2021. Yeah. They're serious. Oh, yeah. There are 500 manufacturers of electric vehicles in China right now. Ooh. That's going to consolidate because there's not room for all of them. Right. Yeah. And the government, being a socialist regime, can dictate who merges with who, who survives, who don't. But the bottom line is they want a major portion of the vehicles on their roads to be carbon free. And we ain't talking no 2050. They're talking by 2025. Wow. So the question is, if you are a global manufacturer of transportation devices, be it cars, trucks, SUVs, heavy trucks, light trucks, medium duty trucks, you've got to take this into consideration and you've got to make those changes. You've got to make that investment. Uh, as a segue, uh, Volkswagen is looking at putting in an electric car plant in North America. I read that. Yeah. Now, they're talking about an EV that's going to cost between thirty and 40000 Due in 2020, I don't know how they do that. What they alluded to is that even though they'll build the factory here eventually, the vehicle they start selling may not be originally built here. Oh, uh, okay. And they may okay. build it once they get the factory done and transfer but now, uh, go ahead. Uh, is this something that they're going to take an existing model and make it an EV option or a completely new no, car? No. At this point, you're talking brandy new. And okay. honestly, if I was to bet my money, with their push towards uh, thinking about a pickup truck, and they had a sample of the pickup trucks that looked pretty sharp. Yeah, it did. And yeah. with the $2 billion they're investing through Electrify America, mm -hmm. they're committed now. And like I said before, Dieselgate was the best thing that ever happened to him. Yes, it was. I believe, and this is just me speculating, so mm -hmm. it's nothing that I know. Right. But reading the tea leaves, I believe that this vehicle will be a pickup or an SUV. Electric. Pure electric. I really do. You don't. Oh, we know your, my you, We know your microbus is coming. Yes! And it's going to be electric. Yes, we know that is. already. Ugh. But I'm saying that there's going to either be an electric pickup truck or SUV that Volkswagen's going to build from scratch, most likely for sale in North America. Okay. And with what they're looking at, uh, they're spending big money uh, through 2023. They're all in, people. They're all in. This is a thing. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's coming. Europe, China, we can't afford to be left uh, at the station. we got to get on the electric bandwagon or else. It's just that simple. Next up, early casualties from evolution to pure electrics. We say goodbye to the plug-in hybrid. Stay tuned. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive.
If you're just tuning in, this is Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken Chester in studio with Sasha Little. We're so glad you're here. While we're big electric vehicle fans here at the show, we're not mourning the death of the plug-in hybrid. We're not, but it is kind of sad about the timing, though. I'm not even feeling it. I mean... I'm not even feeling it. Are you not? No. I, Hybrids are so 1980... I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. So 2008, but it feels like so 1987. It but, does. It does. But yeah, I was six, by little, the way. Yeah. So late. So late. Yeah. I and mean, I mean, and it's so funny because... You got things like the Nissan Leaf that think that they're, you know, I'm a hybrid. Or Actually, the Leaf's I'm not a, a hybrid. Right. It's, it's a pure electric. But I'm an EV with, you know, 132. Well, that's miles. that's actually increased. Uh, they're looking at a battery pack for next year that uh -huh. will double that. What? Yeah, it'll be over 200 miles. Oh, but wow. uh, yeah. for the first generation, it was a little less than 100 miles. And I've seen Leaf market believe it or not oh yeah uh i'm sure you could like go around the block a couple times <laughs> right? in but any case folks um i was really never dialed into what could be considered what i consider the worst of both worlds you've got you still have a uh a internal combustion engine yep you've got an electric motor that's only good for less than 50 miles yep and i'm like why why? Isn't it kind of like putting the person behind the driver's wheel in an autonomous car? Yeah, and don't get me started because you know how I feel about that. <laughs> I do. Now, actually. I will admit that their existence was a necessary part of the development process. Right. I'll go there. All right. I mean, you, you just don't get there from here. Uh, but as far as, and particularly the premium they want for them. Yes. I mean, you're looking yes. at, in some cases, a $20,000 premium to get what? 15, 20, 30 pure electric miles. Yeah. And again, people, why? Now, granted, uh, according to the statistics, the average American has a commute round trip of 40 miles a day. Ha. Huh. That's what they say. Ha. Huh. I know they're not out here. Ha. Huh. I drive more than that in town. However. Ha. Huh. However. Um, <laughs> range anxiety. Right. If that, if that was the only problem, we'd all be driving electrics by now. Yeah. But range anxiety. Americans want to go when they want to go, whenever they want to go. Mm -hmm. And you telling them that their battery is only at 20% charge is not going to work. When they just went like down the block to Casey's? Yeah. Or I wake, yeah. or if somebody wakes up in the middle of the night, wants some Dairy Queen, wants a blizzard. Th th hey, hey, that goes into my tie-in. What? Like next next segment. Oh, goes I'm into sorry. my tie-in. Don't and, use that. Don't use my story, man. Wow. That's not okay. Wow. But in any case, uh, here at Roadworthy Drive, we're saying goodbye and good riddance <laughs> to the plug-in hybrid got car. No love. I don't. No love I'm for sorry. The Here's an example. Okay. 18 months ago, BMW introduced a plug-in hybrid version of its 5 Series sedan for the first time. Are you serious? Yeah, wait they a minute. They are way late. Mo way more expensive. 30 miles on a charge. <laughs> 30 miles. Okay? Yeah, guess what? When the model, when Tesla's Model 3 with a 200-mile range started going into buyer, started coming out last year, yeah. outsold it 15 to 1. I mean, duh. Just can, saying. Can we just say duh? Got yeah. three letters for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. 53 versus 238 miles. Now, GM's going to scrap the Chevy Volt. Duh. Volt with a V. Can we say thank you? Wait a minute. 53 miles versus 238 for the <laughs> Bolt with a B. <laughs> Hello, somebody. 
But they were doing things, though. What? Like what? They were doing things, though. I got to read this as part of the story. You'll like this. Okay. Crunch enough data on household income and commutes, and a Detroit chief executive officer will see the logic in offering a plug-in hybrid that can go electric for about 30 miles. That's how far the average American car drives on a typical day. But. What? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Average. But. The problem is that many would-be buyers want a pickup truck, a zany convertible SUV, or, and I didn't make this up, Stop an electron-powered spaceship, and I thought they were mentioning <laughs> the up. Tesla Roadster, ready for a three-hour road trip. He said an electron-powered spaceship. Right there in the print. Right there in the print. I mean, how many seats does that electron spaceship- Probably four. But, I need uh, one. I need but, six. Okay. 2019, dead Chevy Volt. 2019, dead Cadillac CT6 plug-in hybrid. Here's the weird part. Uh -huh. They're not going to sell it in the United States anymore, but the country where it's built, yeah, they're going to continue selling it. Where? Really? Yeah. You got to ask me that? I am. I am. China, really? Is it really? No, yeah. I honestly thought yeah. that that now, was actually built in- um... The seat, the Cadillac CT6 is their full size. Okay, yeah. And the gasoline engine's built in America. The plug-in hybrid's built in China. Awesome. And they're going to still- sell it in, in china. china yeah i don't uh, think wait a minute gonna have much plug, use limited it. availability and it started the price for the plug-in hybrid for the ct6 oh wait 75 grand oh my wait gosh. a minute wait a minute okay go total ct6 sedan sold last year gasoline and otherwise uh-huh ten thousand five hundred. Ooh. the hybrids were only a fraction of that right yeah mm -hmm. yeah oh and wait a minute uh-huh the electric range on that thing Pure electric. You yeah. ready for this? Yeah. 75 grand, pure electric. Pure electric, 75 pure electric, grand. Got it. Pure electric. 31 miles. You know, now we're going places. Like Where? Now, now we go I'm not even places. Get, I'm not even getting to my convenience store. I mean, you can, you can like, push it for some of the way. If it's downhill for, like, the first five miles. Uh, but, see, that's why it's a hybrid. It means the gasoline <laughs> engine kicks neutral. in. No, throw it into neutral. Yeah, no. No? Now, here's a weird part. <laughs> in the middle of all of this, okay. Subaru's coming out with a Crosstech hybrid with a little help from Toyota. They're using Toyota technology. Now, they're so embarrassed, it says hybrid in the marketing. Uh -huh. They left out the words plug-in. <laughs> it will be on the vehicle. It will be on the vehicle itself, but they're not going to put it. They're not going to put it in the advertising. Uh, even here, they say that it's an odd move that will likely cause confusion with hybrids that don't have plugs. Plug? Yeah. Don't plug. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, the Crosstech hybrid, le pure electric mileage. You want to take a guess? Oh gosh. Okay. So technically, we've been in the 30s. So I'm going to go. 25. No. 18. 17. Oh. Oh. 17 ouch. miles. Ouch. And you can get one right. for $35,970. Well, it's $7,800 higher than the most expensive standard Subaru Crosstech trim level. Wow. Again, we say bye-bye to the plug-in hybrid. Yes, we do. That, that, that's all I'm saying. It just doesn't make sense with the increased range of pure electrics and the, the battery technology. Next, well, it's Tech with Sasha, of course. Yeah. Don't touch that dial. Roadworthy Drive is the cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network.
opinions, real talk. Yep, you are listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken and Sasha. For those of you who want to know more about the show, check out our website, roadworthydrive.com. That's ground zero for all sorts of information about the show. You can listen to podcasts of previous shows, as well as learn more about your favorite Roadworthy Drive host <laughs> or hostess. You can find us on Google Play or Podcast IA. For those of you who are residents in the social media universe, be sure to like us on Facebook. You will be glad you did. Now, without further ado, Tech with Sasha. Hello, 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 everybody. So as I was kind of hinting in hour one and earlier this hour, I wanted to do a show on I think that the technology that is going into robots and what's available in robotic world is amazing. However, Mr. Chester chose to pull rank and said that I had to tether it into mobility. It is a mobility show after all. We talk about mobility and technology, sir. Yes, we do. Long as they're tied together. <laughs> tied together. Mobility, technology. Kind of a thing. <sighs> do you see what I have to deal with? So anyway, wow. I chose for my first story to tether into mobility, quote unquote, because it's mobile. So it's mobility in uh, a way. Uh-huh. Last night, I, I wanted to talk about uh, autonomous on-demand delivery trucks. Um, I happened to read a very, very well-written article that was talking about over a million self-driving delivery robots could be flooding our streets by 2040. Now, I could totally understand this. I could see like uh, McDonald's and uh, Hardee's and stuff like that having their own autonomous trucks that maybe would actually prepare the food and then deliver it to your home. It Walmart. Might... Can I get to that? I mean, do you have to just, like, give away the plot? Anywho, um, and I will tell you a real-life story with this. Last night, about 11.30 at night, a friend of mine posted on Facebook that she and her family were at Dairy Queen, or had had Dairy Queen earlier that day. And I really wanted one of those Dairy Queen Royal Blizzards. I wanted one so bad. But I live 40 miles away from the nearest town that has a Dairy Queen, and Dairy Queen was now closed. In an autonomous world... I could pull up my phone and place the order with Dairy Queen and get my blizzard delivered to my house. And that would be heaven to me because... How much of a premium would be willing to pay for that? You know, I would compare it to those that have, um, like in Des Moines, how they have Grubhub or they've got... Uh, they've got another delivery service. I forget what it is. Uber Eats. Yeah, Uber. Is that still a thing? That's very much a thing. I didn't know it was still a thing. Uh, delivery, uh, Delivery.com, I believe, is another one. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it would be comparable to that. But if it's an autonomous vehicle that runs on electricity, so if it's an electric autonomous vehicle, then you're not probably going to pay that much of a premium. No uh, driver. And you're not going to have a driver. So, I mean, you've got a lot of components that will make it cheaper. You might only pay like maybe a dollar or two dollars more. Okay. And I don't see them necessarily saying, you know, mileage being a thing. Okay. So they're talking about a million of these self-driving delivery robots. And that's what they say by 2040. And I can't say that I am. I'm sorry about that. Um, I think it's going to do a lot when it comes to. Um, you know, shut-ins or people that, you know, have an inability to get out. 
Uh, Ford and Walmart have already been teaming up for a delivery service with self-driving cars. Uh, I believe uh, Domino's Pizza's done it too. <laughs> Domino's Pizza. With Ford. Yep. Also, there was a company, uh, Nero, Neuro something. Right, That yeah. has developed a, it's not a drone, but it was a delivery system to where you would, you know, order your groceries Punch in a code when it got there yep. to get it out of the container. Well, and didn't uh, Amazon, wasn't Amazon going to be doing I think they're toying with that too. Yeah. But here's the thing. You're talking 2040. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you right now, one of the other trends we've seen with this getting ready for this mm -hmm. is around the country, big, huge warehouses being built just outside of major metropolitan areas. So they're laying the groundwork for this. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think it's going to take till 2040. Now- my other, just kind of going into the climactic ending, um, it is something that is done by Toyota, which has to do with cars, which is technically mobility. So, I mean, it tethers in because it's Toyota. You're reaching, go for it. Okay. So, imagine you are, remember the movie Avatar, where they got into this tube and then they controlled like this creature uh, that was really cool and awesome. Toyota is actually working on a surrogate humanoid robot. They are calling it THR3. And so that's not a car model? <laughs> it is not. Man. Sounds Although like mobile. one. Although it is mobile. Okay. Because it operates on the 5G network up to 6.2 miles, and you control it from inside this hub. You have full control over this robot for a little over six miles. Mm -hmm. Um, they are thinking that it's going to have an effect for, again, shut-ins, people that don't go to a lot of places. Um, it might be one of those that you could actually send out and mow someone's yard. Um, yeah, I, I hear Ken's over here pointing to, you know, safety applications. Well, imagine bomb squad, yeah. uh, <clears throat> places where it would be dangerous, uh, for uh, a human being to be, recovery oh, yeah. of sorts, yeah. uh, investigations, fixing leaks, putting out fires. Uh, the, 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 ch the opportunities are endless. For this kind of thing. Well, they've already got, like the bomb squad's got that weird, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but that bomb squad robot that's... Yeah, bless that but, little thing. Right? The poor little thing is so cute. Mm -hmm. But this is something that it has all kinds of applications and if you ever see the picture and i will post the picture or i will post this article along with the video that went with it on um on facebook but it was really really cool the way that they they're hoping that this will actually broaden out to all these different fields and as that expands um as they make it so it can actually be further away I mean, you might have just one control hub in the center in a central lo location, and these people are just working, you know, different areas. You can have right next to like maybe a nurse or a lawn care or something like that. So, I mean, it's it's going to happen, and it's they're already working on it. I think that it also has the ability to totally change the long term care industry. Oh yeah, uh, low pay, very physical work. You have something like this you can use remotely, uh, where you can leverage uh, the human oversight while it's still at the same time providing real-time immediate assistance to those who need it. Yeah, the possibilities become endless right there. Yeah, I mean, and it, it looks really cute. Um, it stands, I think they said, about five foot. Um, it was not over six foot. 
Uh, it wasn't relatively heavy, um, but it seemed they're claiming that it is getting to the point where it could do anything a human could do. Okay, so when we come back, Sasha, what else you got? I have got the, uh, for those of you that are movie fanatics and you've seen Aliens, think Ripley. Mm, Ripley, huh? Ripley. Well, <laughs> when we come back, people, it's going to be more tech with Sasha, of course, because <laughs> really, what were you thinking? So you want to keep that dial right here. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive. Final segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Before we return to Tech with Sasha programming note, General Motors has been in the news lately announcing plant closings and thousands of layoffs. Despite what it looks like at first, this represents a major departure for GM and the rest of the auto industry. I plan to devote the first hour next week to explain why and what it means for the American motorists. This is information you won't find anywhere else. That's right, we, right here next week on Roadworthy Drive. Now, it's back to Tech with Sasha. Okay, so as you know, th today I want to do robots, robots, robots. Mobility. <laughs> I mean, just ignore him. So- Mobility. And what I, the story that I really, really wanted to talk about was actually something that he shot down at the initial, uh, at the initial production meeting because it again, his words had nothing to do with. Really, you're gonna bust me out like that. Mobility. Wow. I say it does. He said, yeah, yeah. So then we had to go through those first two stories, which were interesting. They were nice, but for movie lovers, if you remember the movie Alien, no Aliens. Sorry. Never seen it. I know it's okay. It's a horror movie. Exactly. And Ripley has to get into the huge machine. That she's able to, you know, walk in and then she eventually, like, kills the alien with at the end. Okay. Okay, wait a minute. You mean that's real? Yes. What? I mean, it's a smaller formation, but they have it going, like, right now. And it's local. It's um, Salt Lake City-based uh, Sarcos. Sarcos. Mm -hmm. Sarcos Robotics have engineered what they're calling a full-body industrial robot. Isn't that considered like an ecoskeleton or something? Yes, they're calling it an industrial exoskeleton. Mm -hmm. That ecoskeleton, exoskeleton, potato, potato. It's like potato, cheesecake, but you know, whatever. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so basically, you get into this suit, all right, which is the robot, and they've kind of had these things in the medical, um, uh, in a medical way of thinking for uh, those that were unable to walk. They would get into something that was kind of similar to this. The military was testing out something very similar to this, that it would take the weight off of, you know, what what our uh, men and women actually have to uh, carry. carry and so on and so forth. Ford. Uh, Ford also, yes, tried to do something like this. Um, but this company, like I said, it is right here in the U.S. in Salt Lake. 
They're saying the average suit uh, will be able to help you manipulate up to 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily as big and hulky as what we saw in the movies, but it's getting up there. Um, it will be. It's battery powered. It's all electric. How many? How many hours? Ah, uh, let's see. I know that it told me this, and I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, I can answer that actually. Oh wait, it is eight hours. It can do meaningful, and I'm not sure what they classify as meaningful work for up to eight hours on one single charge. Now, Sasha, question for you. Yes. It seems that uh, this particular company sort of crack the code uh, because like you mentioned other companies have tried it but they had a shortcoming typically weight and the capacity of the batteries yeah which limited the potential and the life in order for it to do it right um you want to expand a little bit about what they managed to do different um for them in particular they actually got to um I'm sorry. I'm looking for the information that you're asking me. Mm -hmm. um, they actually looked at the joints where they weren't actively engaged, and mm -hmm. they transferred the weight of the device passively to the ground. Okay. And a, that actually resulted in conserving the battery life. Because other uh, exoskeletons or ecoskeletons, if right. you will, uh, use sensors to maintain balance at and, all times. and actually... Uh, stayed tethered to the ground actually used battery power mm -hmm. which drained battery life when it was not being used so even when it was stationary it was still running kind of like a car in neutral was burning gasoline yep. even though it wasn't moving that's where they really seem to have overcome the problem of weight and battery life well and the other thing is that i think is really important with this particular model is that I think for like warehouse work, I mean, employees, they'll lift things wrong, they'll use their back, you've got all these kind of injuries that can happen. And for something like this, I mean, it takes away, well, not completely, but it helps protect against long-term injuries. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a there's another industry they were talking about that seemed like they thought would be the first industry that would apply these readily, which I didn't think of at first. You mean the construction? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that as a, I would have thought that would have been manufacturing first. No, I really thought construction because they have to do a lot of heavy lifting. Most of your manufacturers, there's really not. I mean, they already have robots in place where they have to. Not when it comes to material handling. That was one of the things that oh, Ford was yeah. looking at. Yeah. Uh, the twisting and turning, manipulation yep. of items. Uh, in the Ford study, and they were looking at one plant, the average worker on the line held their hands up some 4,500 times in an eight-hour shift. Yeah. And if you start thinking about that, and you're lifting 50 pounds at a time every time you do it. Uh, there's fatigue issues. There's injury issues, like you yeah. said. Yeah. But construction has its own issues, again, that I never thought about. So that's why I was surprised. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where, and Cercos honestly said in the uh, in the article that construction was going to be primed for the massive technology transformation. Um, I personally think that something like this will be used agricultural as well. Could, um, sure. I think that this is something that we might see in different variations of which, obviously, in the public sector as well. Mm -hmm. Um it's also important to note uh, a major investor in Sarkos, of all people, Caterpillar. Well, yeah. I guess I should have mentioned that for 
front end. But and, yeah, and Caterpillar. Because they want to be the Caterpillar of human augmentation robots. And when you think about, again, construction, the lifting, the twisting, the manipulation yep. of materials yep. over rough terrain... Uh, and the weird things you got to do in a building situation, yeah, I I see it now. It didn't make sense at first, but yes. But Sasha, when do you think they're going to start bringing these to market? Um, actually, right off the bat, he is saying that these would be ready to go by 2020. I think is what he said. Or late 2019. Or late 2019 to 2020 uh-huh. is when he was thinking that these were going to be readily available. That and should be interesting. I think so, too, because can you imagine having an exoskeleton and then on top of that having the remote control robot right next to you? Boom. Yeah. Yeah, you start molding these technologies together and the possibilities are endless because in this case, the sum is greater than the parts. Yep. Or I should say the parts are greater than the whole. That wraps up our show for this week. Be sure to tune in again next week when we do this all over again. Roadworthy Drive is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Roadworthy Drive Productions Incorporated.